All right. Ladies, you can test out the water on Friday, and then you can get baptized two days later at a different location. So you will need to swim a considerable distance to get from one to the other. But you have from Friday to Sunday to make that swim. Uh, so I'm sure it's not a problem for you. Happy Sunday, friends. That was, that was okay. Let's try that again. Happy Sunday. Happy Absolutely. Uh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Right? His goodness is running after us. And we acknowledge that this week as we celebrate the 4th of July and we recognize the freedom we have to come together like this on Sunday and worship our God and we're thankful for the goodness of God that has provided that for us. And we're thankful for the opportunities that we have uh, to send a team to Czech Republic on Wednesday, the day after the 4th of July. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, a few of you are on that team, and we're thankful for that and for God's provision in all of that. It is all His goodness, and we celebrate His goodness today as we look at the book of Romans, because His goodness is expressed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the book of Romans about? It is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we've been looking at the book of Romans, we have seen that the first 11 chapters are all about Jesus and His gospel. Wonderfully summarized in chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of who? Everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And we celebrate that gospel seen in chapters 1 through 11, that we were separated from God by our sins, his punishment rested upon us, but out of his deep love for us while we were still sinners, he sent Christ in order to pay our price so that we could have relationship with God and be a part of His forever family. Now, as we've been looking at Romans 12 through 16, we have been looking at how we live in light of that gospel truth in the first 11 chapters. And if we were to summarize it, in light of the gospel, we are to lovingly submit our lives to the God of the universe. What is our response to the gospel? We, we lovingly submit our lives to the God of the universe. And we have seen that throughout our teachings. We submit to God by giving him our body. We submit to God by giving him our mind. We submit to God by giving him our, our gifts and our talents for his mission. We submit to God by loving others well. We submit to God by submitting to the human authorities he's put in place. We submit to God by doing what is right and obeying his commands and... Last week and this week, we have seen that we submit to God by welcoming those with different opinions in the body on disputable matters. Different opinions in the body on disputable matters. Last week, we looked at this subject through the lens of Romans 14, 1 through 12. Today, we're going to start in the second half of chapter 14. So we're starting in verse 13. So you may want to turn there in your Bibles or your devices we are starting in Romans 14, 13 as we look at what it means to welcome others in this area of disputable matters or areas of opinion. What are disputable matters? They're those areas about which the Scripture does not clearly speak or does not speak at all. We often have to come to opinions and make decisions in these areas in our daily lives where the Scripture is not clear or doesn't speak in any way. Now, there are thousands of areas where the Scripture speaks clearly. Right? I want to represent those areas where the Scripture speaks clearly with this black box. Right? The black box represents the clear teaching of Scripture. 
We are saved by grace through faith and not through our own works or merit. That is clear in the scriptures. We shouldn't go around murdering each other. Clear in the scriptures. We shouldn't steal each other's stuff. Clear in the scriptures. We should use our mouths to praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. And so we are to use our mouths to praise the Lord. That's clear in the scriptures. That and thousands of other things are clear in the scriptures and guide us in these areas in our daily lives. If there is a difference of opinion or a difference of practice in one of these black box areas that's clear in the scriptures, why is that? It's because one of us is wrong. Right? If there is a difference of opinion or practice in a clear teaching of Scripture, it's because one of us is wrong. If you say, I believe we're saved by grace through faith, and I say, I think we're saved by our own works and merit, one of us is wrong. If you go ahead and, and, and love your spouse by being faithful, and I say, well, I, I'm going to do it by committing adultery, one of us is wrong. If you say, I'm pretty sure it's wrong to steal other people's stuff, and I say, I think it's just fine, one of us is wrong. When there is a difference of opinion or practice in the areas where Scripture teaches clearly, it's because one of us is wrong. And what are we as believers meant to do in those situations? We're meant to lovingly and gently and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit come alongside that person who is in sin and guide them back to the path that is right. That's what Galatians 6.1 talks about. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. If someone is wrong in their thinking or in their practice, those who are being guided by the Spirit are to come alongside of them, and they are to steer them back to right thinking and right practice according to the clear teaching of Scripture. That's how we act when it comes to those areas that are clear in Scripture. But Romans 14 is not about those areas that are clear in Scripture. Romans chapter 14 is all about those areas that aren't spoken of in Scripture. Matters of opinion, or what some of your translations call the disputable matters. That's what Romans 14 is all about. There were... A couple of examples in our teaching last week. Do you remember what they were? First was whether or not a person should eat the meat that had been sacrificed to idols. In Rome, all of the meat that was available to you had been sacrificed to idols. And so within the church at Rome, there were two different thoughts about how to handle that. On one side, there was a group that said, it's been sacrificed to idols. We're worshipers of Jesus. We don't want to have anything to do with idol worship. We should not eat meat. Vegetables only for us. Then on the other side, there was another group that said, of course we should go ahead and eat that meat. We're free to do so. What is an idol? It's a stone carved by human hands. Who cares? We can eat that meat in honor of the Lord. And so you had these two different opinions in this area that Scripture wasn't clear about for them. What were they to do? How were they to handle it? The other issue that they were dealing with was whether to, or not to observe a Sabbath or Jewish holy days. Christ's coming have fulfilled the letter of the law. And so it was no longer 
required for followers of Jesus to keep a Sabbath or observe the Jewish holy days. But there were some in the church of Rome that said, wait a minute, these are God's commands for our good. We should still be doing this. We may not be required, but it's for our best. Let's observe Sabbath. Let's observe the holy days. There was another group in the church at Rome that said, observe a holy day? Since Jesus isn't every day holy, why would we set aside one day as holy or a special day as holy? We're to treat every day as holy. Right? We, should, we shouldn't set aside particular days as holy. Whether you go to work or don't go to work, that day is holy to the Lord. And so there was a difference of opinion. And, and there wasn't clarity in the scripture about how to handle that since the coming of Christ. What were they to do in these areas? How were they to handle them? We have maybe our own gray box issues where we have opinions, right? If, if we represent the clear teaching of Scripture with a black box, let's represent those areas that are unclear or aren't mentioned in Scripture with a gray box. And, and here Paul says, boy, whether or not eat, to eat the meat that's been sacrificed to idols, that goes in the gray box. Whether or not we should still observe a Sabbath, that goes in the gray box. What is it for us that goes in the gray box? As I thought about these things a couple of weeks ago, let me give you some things that I came up with. Should we school our children in the public schools, private schools, or homeschool? Right? Which is the right answer? What does the Bible teach us? D does anyone have any opinions? Anyone ever run into anyone with any opinions in this area? Uh, what kind of movies and TV shows are okay for Christians to watch? I was in a discussion a few weeks ago in which a particular show came up, and it was clear that there were people in the room who watched the show, and also people in the room who were like, oh no, I'm a follower of Jesus, I would never watch that show. Where does the line get drawn in which shows and movies are okay to watch and which aren't? And is there a chance you draw the line in a different place than I do? Maybe. How far should a believer go to adhere to the fashions of their day? Should we just dress in whatever way the world does? Are there certain fashions that aren't helpful for the person wearing them or for those around them? What does that look like? What should a Christian's understanding of drinking alcohol be? The New Testament is very clear that a believer is never to be drunk, but there are some who would say, no, no, no. That industry does far too much damage for us to give them their money. We should not be using alcohol at all. And there are others who would say, wait, hasn't God told us to enjoy all of his good gifts? And doesn't Jesus come across as pretty pro-wine in John chapter 2? <laughs> What's appropriate music to listen to? Should we only listen to Christian Christ-honoring music? Is it okay to listen to music that isn't Christian? Was it okay last weekend for my wife to listen to nothing but Taylor Swift? Right? Yeah, no, that's a joke. My wife has never listened to a T-Swift song in her life. She's like, what? That's the worst illustration ever. Yeah. My wife barely knows who Taylor Swift is. That's fair. Oh, man. I'm going to get in so much trouble. Let me see if I can get in more trouble. How much material wealth or possessions should a person allow themselves before they're being disobedient to Christ's command not to store up treasures on earth, but to store up treasures in heaven? 
How much are you allowed before you're being disobedient to that command of Christ? And is it possible that you draw the line in a different place than I do? What do we do about that? What is the government's role in helping the poor? How should a person dress to go to church? Coat and tie only? Shorts? What do we? I shouldn't look at you guys when I'm... Okay, this is a tiny little list, right? We could go on like this forever. In these areas about which the Scripture doesn't speak or doesn't speak clearly, what are we supposed to do in these areas? How are we supposed to act in these gray box areas? Well, that is what our passage is about today. And let's start with this important principle. When we're making decisions in these areas not not directly addressed by Scripture, we want to seek what is best for our fellow believer. Seek what is best for our fellow believer. Verse 13, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. According to the first half of this verse, we're to seek what is best for our brothers and sisters in Christ by not judging them in these areas of opinion. Uh, This creeps into the church at times, and it's represented by a poem I found uh, this last week that says this, When it comes to these gray box areas, believe as I believe, no more, no less, that I am right and no one else confess. Feel as I feel, think only as I think, eat what I eat, drink what I drink, look as I look, do always as I do, then and only then will I fellowship with you. Romans 14 says this can never be our attitude. When it comes to differences of opinion in these disputable matters, we are not to be a people who judge one another and look down on one another, but a people who, what did it say last week? Welcome, accept, and encourage one another. You may choose to uh, school your children in the public schools. I may choose to homeschool. We're never to look down on each other about that decision, but to accept and encourage each other. You may believe that one amount of wealth is okay before we're being disobedient to Jesus' commands, and I believe a different amount is. Okay, we're not supposed to judge one another. As we are seeking to honor God in these matters of opinion, Paul says there can be differences of opinion between two people seeking to honor God. That's why these are matters of opinion. That's why these are the disputable matters. So don't judge each other. Don't look down on each other. In the second part of this verse, verse 13, Paul says that we're to seek what is best for our fellow believer, listen carefully to this, by valuing their growth over our freedom. We're to seek what is best for our fellow believer by valuing their growth over our freedom in Christ. At the end of verse 13, Paul paints this picture of us running down a path towards knowing Christ and becoming like Jesus And he says, let us never put a stumbling block in our fellow believer's way. A word for a big stone. He says, let us never put a hindrance in our fellow believer's way. A Greek word for a trap for an animal that would snap on your leg. Paul says, don't ever put big stones or animal traps out on the pathway for your fellow believer. When I read that, I couldn't help but think about the times when my kids were younger when we would play Mario Kart together. Right? And as you're racing in Mario Kart, you can throw banana peels out the back of your car and the other cars hit those banana peels and they go spinning off of the track. And I thought, essentially what Paul is saying is, don't throw banana peels out there for your fellow believers. 
How would we do that? How would we put hindrances in their way? How would we throw banana peels out there that might uh, get our fellow believers careening off track? Paul says, by valuing our freedoms in Christ more than their growth. Verse 15, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Or how about verses 20 and 21? Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Paul says, in my relationship before the Lord, I have complete freedom to go ahead and eat the meat that has been sacrificed to idols. But I will never do it within a context where I might cause one of my brothers or sisters in Christ to stumble. If I'm in a context with a a younger believer who has come out of intense idolatry and they see the Apostle Paul eating meat sacrificed to idols and they think to themselves, oh, I guess this distinction between Jesus and idols isn't that great. Maybe if Paul can eat meat sacrificed to idols, I can keep some of my idolatrous practices while I worship Jesus. Paul says, let that never be true. I will gladly sacrifice the freedom that I have in my relationship with Christ for the good of the growth of my brother or sister. I never want to hinder them in seeking after after Christ. Uh, Last week in Shakopee, I shared a story about uh, Charles Spurgeon, maybe the most famous preacher from Victoria-era England, uh, pastored one of the largest churches in the world, and I, and I shared a church, uh, shared a story about him fighting with a pastor of another church. Uh, but as a part of that story, I mentioned that Spurgeon enjoyed smoking cigars in moderation. He he enjoyed the occasional cigar. And one time, a reporter asked him if, as a pastor of a church, he should be smoking cigars. And Spurgeon's response was, "I always smoke them in moderation." The reporter asked him, what is in moderation? To which Spurgeon replied, I never smoke two at a time. (laughs) And Spurgeon contended that he had freedom in his relationship with Christ to enjoy cigars for the glory and honor of the Lord until one day he was walking down a street in London and he saw a cigar vendor on the corner selling cigars, and the banner at the top of his cart read, smoke the brand that that Spurgeon smokes. And Spurgeon said, at that point, he recognized that while he may be able to do this in freedom and in moderation, that he may be leading younger and more immature believers into a place in which they are not smoking cigars to the honor of the Lord, in which they are not able to handle these things in moderation. And that day he chose to be done with cigars and he never smoked another one again in the rest of his life. Because he said, I will not value the freedom that I have in Christ over the growth of my fellow believer. It is always the growth of my fellow believer that is our priority in all of this. No matter which one of these gray box issues we're talking about, we're to be more concerned about other than self as we consider it. 
Paul talks about this some more in chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. He says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Paul refers to those who need more restrictions than the Bible gives, more extra-biblical restrictions as the weak. He refers to those over here who are able to operate with less restrictions as the strong. They have a greater freedom in their relationship with Christ. And he says those who are stronger should never exercise the freedoms they have in a way that damages a person over here. Their concern is always the growth of their fellow believer. That always trumps their exercising of their freedoms that they have in Christ. And he says, do you need a model? He said, you're followers of Jesus, right? How about Jesus as a model? He said, that's a great model. Who gave up the freedoms that he had. Who who gave up the things that uh, were the pleasures of heaven in order to come here. In order to do what was best for those who are weak. He said, just follow after Christ in this. Follow after Christ in this. What do we do in these areas uh, that are matters of opinion? We start by seeking what is best for our fellow believers. But that's not all the passage has to say. As we consider these gray box areas, second, we want to make sure that we are faithful to our Christ-honoring commitments. Right? Be faithful to your Christ-honoring commitments. We saw last week that we are meant to carefully and prayerfully come to places of conviction when it comes to these areas that are disputable. Just because they're disputable areas doesn't mean we say, "Ah, well, you can go whatever direction. I'll go this way this day and this way the next day, whatever's easiest. No, Paul says that we're to come to conviction in our conscience about these things. In verse 5, he said... Let each one be fully convinced in their own mind. When it comes to these areas of opinion, we're not to just flippantly go, eh, whatever, who cares? No, we're to prayerfully seek out what God would have us do in these areas and come to conviction in our conscience about them. And what is meant to guide us as we do that? Whatever honors God the most, that's what we're supposed to be seeking here. right? Whatever honors God the most. Isn't that what verse 6 said last week? The one who observes the day observes it in what? Honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in what? Honor of the Lord. He gives thanks to God. Well, the one who abstains, abstains in what? Honor of the Lord. You see what Paul is saying here? He's like, we may within the body have one person who's making this choice in an area of opinion and another person who's making this choice in an area of opinion. What matters is, are they motivated in these disputable areas by honoring the Lord in what they do. And so when we come to these areas, we prayerfully and carefully ask the Lord, what what honors you the most in this? When it comes to how I'm going to school my children, what will be best for their education is secondary. What honors the Lord the most is primary. When it comes to what I'm going to buy this week for myself, 
What I'll enjoy is secondary. What honors the Lord the most is primary. Whether or not I'm going to have a glass of wine with dinner isn't primarily about whether or not I'll enjoy it. It's primarily about what will honor the Lord the most as I make these decisions. And so we're constantly seeking to be obedient to the motivations given to us in verse 6 as we work through these areas of opinion. What will honor the Lord the most? And when we come to an area in which we receive conviction of conscience, we're then to be faithful to that conviction. Right? If God and, 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 and I have processed one of these areas of opinion and we have come to an area in which I am convicted in my conscience, this is the pathway to go. I'm not supposed to give up on that conviction just because the next day it might be easier to go a different direction. Or there's peer pressure to go a different direction. Or it might be more lucrative to go a different direction. No, I am to stick to the, the conviction of, of my uh, conscience, easy for me to say. I am to stick to the conviction of my conscience until, through prayerful process, God changes that conviction. But as long as it is the conviction, I'm to stick with it. Look at verse 14. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Right? Eat meat, don't eat meat, that doesn't make you clean or unclean. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. Paul says, my own conviction of conscience is that it's just fine to eat this meat, and I can do so in honor of the Lord. But if you have prayerfully worked through this with the Lord, and you believe that it is wrong to eat this meat, then it is wrong for you to eat that meat. Don't go against the conviction of your conscience in this. We're not to go against the conviction of conscience because we happen to have a craving that day or because people are pressuring us. We stick to the conviction of our conscience. If you have a particular conviction of conscience that you shouldn't drink alcohol at all, you don't one day just drink it because you happen to have a craving or because there's a bunch of people pressuring you to do it. No, that is the conviction of your conscience and you stick to it. If you believe that you should go to a secular university because God has called us to be a light in dark places and you say, I need to carry out the mission of God in this setting, that is the conviction of your conscience. Don't let other people talk you out of that. If, if you believe that sacrificial and generous giving is giving this, amu- this amount week in, week out, month in, month out, then we don't give up that conviction just because I want to buy a kayak this month. Right? It's the conviction of our conscience, and we're to stick to it. Paul goes on in verse 23 and says, But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Now, wait a minute. In verse 14, he says, what you eat, what you don't eat, it doesn't make you clean or unclean. And then in verse 23, he says, but wait a minute, if you eat with doubts, you're condemned. How is that true? If what we eat doesn't make us clean or unclean. Because the person who eats with doubts is going against the conviction of their conscience. They have worked out with faith what God would have them do in this area. And now they are going against that courage, that conviction of their conscience that they have worked out in faith. And so what they are doing is now wrong. Even though objectively it's not really wrong, go one way, go the, go the, no, no. Once you have a conviction, 
You need to stick to that conviction that God has given to you until you prayerfully come to a new place of conviction in that area. The motive of the believer is always to be one of faith. What would God have me do in this area? God, I know you are present. How would you have me live and act in this area? We're to be faithful to our Christ-honoring commitments. The third thing we see in these areas of opinion is this. Stand against legalism. Right? Stand against legalism. Verse 16, Paul says, So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. There are legalists who want to take the freedoms that we have in these areas of opinion, these gray box areas, and treat them as if they are right and wrong in the way that we would the areas in the black box. They don't want to acknowledge any sense of freedom to honor the Lord in different ways. They want to say, no, you either agree with me in these areas of opinion or you're wrong. You either school your children in the way that I school my children, or you're wrong. You either have the stance that I do about what we should do about alcohol, or you're wrong. You either acknowledge all the shows that Christians should watch and the shows Christians shouldn't watch exactly the way I do, or you're wrong. What are they doing? They're taking these Areas of opinion where we can be different as we seek to honor the Lord and they're treating them as black box areas in which you either align with them or you're wrong. And Paul says, don't ever let that be true. Don't ever allow people within the church to treat gray box areas as black box areas. And by the way, we should never allow people in the church to treat black box areas as gray box areas. Just a matter of my opinion. These things need to remain separate and clear. And Paul says in the, in the gray box, if you have the courage of your convictions in an area, don't allow somebody to tell you that's wrong if you're honoring the Lord through that. You believe that the way that you can honor the Lord the most in your college decision is to go to a secular university and be His light within that university? Don't let other people tell you you're wrong in that as you're seeking to honor the Lord. If you believe that the way that you can honor the Lord the most is by going to a Christian university and seeking Christian friends and taking in what God has for you within that Christian information, don't don't let other people tell you that that's wrong. No, you're making a decision to honor God within these areas of opinion. Whatever the situation, right, whatever the gray box area, we're not to allow others to revert to legalism and treat what is opinion as if it were a black box matter. And this is going to shock you, we're not supposed to do it either. Look at verse 22. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Read that again. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. When it says, keep your faith between yourself and God, what is that saying? It's saying, don't ever share Jesus with anyone else. Right? No, it's probably not what it's saying. That would go against all the teaching of the New Testament and all of the teaching of Romans. What is he talking about when he's talking about faith here? He's talking about the faith-filled decisions that you have made in these areas of opinion, in in these areas that are disputable. We're never supposed to 
judge others, look down on others, or make our primary communication about these gray box issues. He says, you're going to make decisions in these areas of opinion. That's great. Keep it between you and God. You don't need to spend time communicating about these gray box areas all over the place so that people feel approved or not approved based on what you're communicating about gray box issues. It's like, don't, don't do that. You may think that it's important to go to a, a Christian school or a secular school when you're making That's great. Make that decision. Honor the Lord in that. But you don't need to put it out there as if you are approving what every other person does. You may make a decision about how you're going to school your own children. You may make a decision about how you're going to handle alcohol. You may make a decision about how many resources you allow yourself before you're being disobedient to Jesus. Like all of these decisions that you may make, that's great. You need to make those in faith to honor the Lord. And then you need to not go around talking about them all over the place. Keep it between yourself and the Lord and don't judge or look down on others who think differently. Right? Any, anyone in here old enough to remember uh, COVID? <clears throat> During COVID, we were introduced to a whole series of new gray box issues. And people had all sorts of different opinions about those gray box issues, vaccines and masks. I won't go on and on. You, you know the issues. You were, you were there, some of you. And there were believers whose primary communications were about those gray box issues, right? When it said in verse 22, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. No, no, they kept it between themselves and every other person on the planet over and over again when it came to these matters of opinion. And then they judged others based on whether they shared those opinions or didn't share those opinions. God says, don't ever let that be true in the body of Christ. Why? Right? Why, as we look at verse 22, shouldn't gray box areas be areas where we're judging others? They, they shouldn't be areas that are our primary communication. Why would we keep them between ourselves and God? Because they're not black box areas. Right? As followers of Jesus, our lives are all about the black box. And everything that is in the gray box is meant to recede back into a status of unimportant when compared with everything that is in the black box that is meant to come to the forefront. And so we are meant to be a people as followers of Jesus who are entirely focused in our lives, in our communication, in our posts, in our discussions with each other on the black box. And when you have entirely exhausted the black box and all of its teaching, and when you have entirely lived up to the black box, then feel free to move on to the gray box. But until then, we're followers of Jesus and our lives are all about the black box. Right? The gray box is meant to recede back into the background. Keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Oh, I don't know if there's a more important passage for us. How do we make decisions in these areas not directly addressed by the scripture? This relates to the last one. Focus on the kingdom. Right? Focus on the kingdom. Focus on the black box. There's always going to be people in the body of Christ who disagree with us on gray box issues. 
Paul is acknowledging that in Romans 14 and 15. There's always going to be disagreement. You'll notice in Romans 14 and 15, he doesn't say, would you guys please just come to complete alignment on all of these areas of opinion? Just, just come on, get there. Everybody line up. No, Paul's, Paul's point as he writes this is, yeah, you've got differences. That's always going to be true. And so handling those differences in the area of opinion, that's what's important and he says, instead of focusing on those differences in the area of opinion, focus on the things of the kingdom. Focus on the black box, right? Verse 17 and 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. In the setting that I grew up in, uh, there were people who clearly never read verse 17. The kingdom of God was about eating and drinking for them. Right? What is the focus here? The focus isn't on areas of opinion. It's not on the gray box. The focus is meant to be on the black box. That's what unites us, and that is what is important, is the kingdom. And all that Jesus teaches within the kingdom. So we focus on the kingdom. And finally, as we look at this passage and what it teaches us about how we make decisions in these areas not directly addressed by Scripture, we seek peace and unity in the body. Seek peace and unity in the body. Look at uh, 1419. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. What is it that is meant to motivate me in these gray box areas, these matters of opinion? I, I'm meant to be motivated by proving I'm right, right? I'm meant to be motivated by winning as many arguments as possible. I'm meant to give in to my insecurities that arise within me anytime there's disagreement and make sure that I prove that, no, my way is the right way in these areas. No, that's, that's not what he says. Instead, in these areas, these disputable areas, do whatever brings about peace and unity and the upbuilding of the body of Christ. Seek unity and peace. So often, fracturing within the church is about gray box issues. I have a friend who pastors a church up north that has experienced fracturing because there's a guy that's led a, a small little group of people to make sure that the primary issue in that church right now is how people dress on Sunday mornings. Right? And, and, and for this man and the group of people that are with him, they would say that we're to bring our best before the Lord. Well, that's true, isn't it? And that as a part of bringing our best before the Lord, we should dress our best when we come before the Lord together. And for guys, that means coats and ties. And for women, that means dresses. And so that is what he is advocating, and that is what has become a primary issue at my friend's church. Right? What's going on in this situation? There are a group of people who are taking a gray box issue and they are using it in order to work against peace and unity in the body. Work against what God would have for us in the body. Or we're to be motivated by what produces peace. Uh, just for clarity, I can't do that in my own strength. It is only through the work of God's Holy Spirit that today I could work towards unity and peace 
rather than reverting in my flesh back to my opinions in gray box areas and wanting to argue with people about those gray box areas. My flesh greatly desires to spend the time proving why I'm right and you're wrong in all of those gray box areas. But the Spirit works in order to bring us to a place that's about unity and peace. And I need the Spirit. May the God, look at, look at these last few verses of our passage. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you. Who does it have to come from? Right? It's got to come from God. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty good, right? We want that. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. That, that's a deep welcome, isn't it? For the glory of God. We can't live in harmony and peace with one another in our own strength and power. It only comes when God grants us the endurance and encouragement that come through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As a matter of fact, as we ask all of these questions of this passage, how, how do we make decisions in these areas not directly addressed by Scripture? And we see the things that the passage outlines for us. I can't do any of these things in my own flesh or my own power. I need God's Spirit's work if any of this is going to take place. And, and so I want to invite us right now to enter into a prayer time for a couple of minutes for God's Spirit to be working these things in our life. If you guys would, would bow your heads with me, let's pray for God's Spirit to be working the things of peace and unity into our hearts and minds. Are there any areas of opinion that you have been overvaluing and treating as if they're black box matters? Spend a moment and confess that and repent of that before the Lord. Are there any black box matters, clear teaching of Scripture, that you've been treating as if they're matters of opinion. Repent of that before the Lord. Confess that before Him. Is there any confession needed because you've been motivated by what's easiest, most comfortable, what's most lucrative, rather than being motivated by honoring the Lord and seeking what is best for your fellow believer. Would you pray for the Holy Spirit's power to be at work in your mind and heart so that your motivations are about honoring Him and you stick to the courage of your convictions in these areas.
Would you pray for God's spirit to be at work in you to focus on the black box areas, to allow those things that are matters of opinion to fade into the background and to let the things of the kingdom be the focus of your mind, your heart, your communication. Pray for the Spirit's power, endurance, and wisdom to seek unity and upbuilding in all of our decisions.